The Placing You First podcast begins in less than 20 seconds. Visit crcgroup.com to subscribe, download our award-winning tools and intel articles that help you stay aware of emerging issues and trends, or get a snapshot of the insurance marketplace with our industry-leading ready indexes. You'll find it all on crcgroup.com under tools and intel. Hello, everyone. Today, Scott and I are joined by Chris Cepeda, an associate broker with CRC Group's Boca Raton, Florida office, and Alexandra Kish, an associate broker with our Dallas, Texas office. They're going to fill us in on the value of endpoint detection and response for protecting your business. This is the Placing You First podcast from CRC Group. This podcast features news and insights from a vast knowledge base of over 5,100 associates. Who write more than $35 billion in premium annually. Plus, we give you the latest information on what's happening at CRC. This, this, this is the Placing You First podcast. And now the hosts of the podcast, Amanda Knight and Scott Gordon. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. I'm looking forward to speaking with you all. Well, let's start off with an easy question. Uh, for those of us that may not know, what is endpoint detection and response, also known as EDR, and how does using it help an insured? So EDR is a cybersecurity solution that records behavior on endpoints, detects suspicious behavioral patterns using data analytics blocks threats, and helps security analysts remediate and restore the compromised systems. So companies that utilize EDR technology benefit from leveraging machine learning and artificial intelligence to continuously build knowledge around user behaviors, which makes it easier to detect uh, when a user engages in suspicious activity. That would be such as trying to access restricted information. Um, One might ask, What is EDR collecting specifically? A few ways are through network connections, process executions, um, and currently running processes. So, yeah, that's what I have to say. (laughs) I like it. You got anything to add, Chris? I would say no. Uh, EDR, you know, is a uh, fundamental piece to a competent cybersecurity solution. Um, It, it, you know, takes a job of, of scanning thousands potentially of endpoints, which is impossible for the average IT department to do manually and um, flags potential uh, risk or, or, you know, threats um, that could pop up in a business environment. And I'm assuming, you know, that in our current world where more people than ever work remotely or work from home, that the number of endpoints would be growing pretty quickly. So it seems like this would maybe be a no-brainer, right? Like, you need this. And when when I hear you explain it, Alexander, like what it does and what it is, it seems like something, whether you have five endpoints or 5,000, it seems like sort of a no-brainer, something you should have. Do you find that many insureds like on it, they have this in place? Or is this still something that insureds tend to think of as an optional add-on if they've already got something like MFA in place? Do they feel like this is an extra that they can, you know, take or leave as an option? Or are we seeing this become like, we understand we really need this? Yeah. So right now, um, what I'm experiencing is MFA is a requirement. As you said, I am seeing EDR as more of an extra or a bonus, but 
As the environment changes, I think it is becoming a preferred control by our underwriters. I'm not finding it a requirement, though, at least not yet. But Chris, what are you seeing? Mm. Well, I see um, a lot of traditionally a lot of companies have seen next gen antivirus as enough of a protection. Um, but you know, as as time has progressed, and uh, especially companies more in the middle market space are starting to adopt EDR on a larger scale as they've seen not only the benefits of it, but also uh, on a cybersecurity side, but also from a risk management side as it's, you know, while not impossible to get terms about it, there is benefits to a lot of middle markets. I still think that uh, there's a greater need of adoption on, on smaller businesses at this time. Um, Maybe they're just not aware of the benefits of having it. Yeah, and something a great example of this an underwriter told me would be how MFA has gone kind of from, you know, a bonus, you know, you can add this if you want to more of a requirement. In recent years, the applications would say, do you implement MFA? But as of recent, the question now asks, do you enforce MFA? Because they've noticed just because an insured might implement MFA and that they have MFA does not mean they actually use it and have it in place. So once a cyber attack happened, they realized the application just it wasn't narrow enough and didn't give the full picture. Why would you have it and not use it? Is that a dumb question? I know you've been surprised. It It's a thing. <laughs> From an underwriting perspective, then, why is EDR important? I mean, I think it helps prevent uh, frequency of cyber claims, especially um, on larger um, insureds, like we spoke about briefly. When you have thousands of endpoints, and that becomes um, you know a huge advantage in detecting um, early you know bad actors or possible intrusions to the network and freezing um, the action as soon as, as human, you know, as soon as technologically possible because a human couldn't act as quickly as, um, these solutions. So from an underwriting perspective, um, it, it makes the insured a overall more holistically sound risk. Um, one thing I will also say is that should an insured have a cyber incident, um, EDR can really help aid analysis of the attack. Um, there's, you know, has logs in place that can show, um, an in-depth, um, who, who has been where, and if someone ha- a bad actor has been somewhere they're not supposed to be, it can definitely help, um, when speed means everything on a, in a cyber incident, it can help analyze and assess, okay, what's going on, what do we need to focus on, what's the issue, and stuff like that. It can be a major tool for cyber forensic teams to stop the bleeding and, and get you back to where you need to be. Exactly. And sometimes these are not things that the insured can see. There's something called a silent failure. And this is where attackers are free to move around in the insured's environment, often creating backdoors that allow the attackers to return as they please. And so having EDR is able to catch these kinds of things that it's just you can't see with the naked eye. That's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. Silent failure. That's what my father called me. Um, (laughs) Now, uh, if a company employs EDR, what are the advantages associated with it when it comes comes to cyber coverage? You know, the biggest advantage is protecting your company. But uh, this, this cyber control can impact the premium or coverages offered. 
um, and can even limit the number of carriers willing to provide a quote if you don't have EDR. So, I mean, if you're not wanting sublimits, I would say <laughs> EDR is very important to have. <laughs> 100%. I would say companies at a certain size um, also uh, are subject to credit or debits on their overall premium, depending if they implement EDR um, or not. Um, it's Every carrier is different, but it's definitely a factor in, in eligibility and, and premium. Well, and I think... I mean, when I think about how this is, it's good to have, not everyone has it. If you're a company that has it, I think that says a lot about your cybersecurity posture, right? To your potential underwriter, hey, I'm on this. You don't make me have this, but I already have it. Um, You know, that you are really engaged with trying to protect yourself. And to, I'm not an underwriter, but that seems like a positive to me also. It is. And something I have come across with carriers, one or two, is that if the insured does not have EDR in place at the start of the effective, at the start of the policy, um, they're going to, you know, sublimit. Um, and even if the insured implements EDR midterm, I've had carriers say we're still going to keep this sublimited until renewal. So I think it's really important to have off the bat. Because I think it just, it gives you more options with the markets and like who you can choose from. And while we don't, you know, support any specific solution or product in the written companion piece that goes with this podcast, we do list some options of places that you can start looking, you know, for EDR. If you already have a cyber carrier, do those companies sometimes also help point you in the right direction if it's something that your company wants to implement? Can they help you find the right EDR solution if you're not sure where to turn? Yes. Uh, most carriers have preferred vendors, um, including for EDR. So they usually have two or three that um, they can uh, recommend to a risk manager um, if they don't already have a solution in place. Well, one thing is certain, and that is that the world of cyber is complex. Working with brokers that know what they're doing when it comes to cyber should definitely be a priority for every retail agent. How does partnering with a CRC group broker make a difference for your retail partners? Hey, we have a quarterly Ready Cyber Index that goes out that shows um, how the market market trends on cyber pricing and uh, increases or decreases on overall premiums. Uh, I think it's very helpful just to show a state of the market um, from a macro view, my macro perspective. And like you mentioned, um, you know, we have over 100 brokers on the professional uh, d- division of CRC that, that love to collaborate, um, especially on more complex and nuanced topics or, or um, you know, incidents uh, that give us a broad, broad reach of uh, knowledge that we can tap into. Yes, I agree with Chris on that one. I mean, I would say we specialize in this because we see it every day. And with the experience and situations we've learned from, and the claims we've handled. Yeah, and the, and the evolution of cyber coverage has been just, I mean, faster than anything else we've ever seen. It's just amazing. Um, and every time we cover it, it's something completely different. Yeah, no, I mean, it's still evolving even today. 
new, you know, as the world changes, new risks come to light. I think exponentially faster than more traditional lines like property and, and cat, and, you know, general liability and such. So um, underwriters and policies are adapting to new risk, emerging risks that are going on because of world events uh, constantly. Well, now this is this is the fun part of the podcast that we like to call rapid fire. But this is just we just throw these out there and you guys just it's, it's just like a party game. OK. And the first question, just jump in. What food can you not live without? Pizza. Sushi. What was the last thing that you binge watched? Friday Night Lights. The Blacklist. I have never seen Friday Night Lights. I Me neither. Seen the Blacklist. Me I neither. just started. Is it worth it? Should I give it a shot? Oh yeah, Friday Night Lights. It's it's sweet. I thought it was a prequel to Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> Friday Night Lights, but I was wrong. Way way wrong. <laughs> Well, thank you both for joining us today, Alexandra and Chris. It's been so good talking with you. If you're a listener, thanks for joining us. Providing current insights into the marketplace is just one more way. CRC Group is placing you first. We'll see you next time. Are you ready to take your career to the next level? Join Team CRC to gain access to best-in-class tools, data, exclusive programs, and more. Send your resume to resumes at crcgroup.com and read testimonials from our recent hires on LinkedIn. Search for CRC.